Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. On today's show, BuzzFeed staffers must go after the loss of their UK editor. Bauer launch a big new classical radio station and we judge the winner in the battle of the breakfast shows. Plus, what an Oscar nomination means for a news organisation and what it means for journalism and the social media stars getting letters from the Competition and Markets Authority. It's all to come on today's media podcast. And my guests today are Leon Wilson, MD of Talkback Thames, and making his Mediapod debut, it's LBC presenter Ian Dale. Always a pleasure to lose a cherry to you, Ollie. <laughs> Long-time <laughs> listener, first-time caller. Yeah, I do listen. I listen, to, I listen to every, well, it's every fortnight, isn't it? it yeah. Well, yeah, tries to be. It tries to be. It's going yeah, to really be this year. It. Although I keep listening to episodes thinking, thank God I'm not on that one because I know nothing about that subject. But what, I, what do you find yourself shouting at your... Uh, I was going to say iPhone there, but it's Android, in fact, isn't no, it? No, it's not. It's is just it, got a it? horrible case on it. It's an iPhone. Okay. What yeah. do you find yourself shouting at your iPhone with your horrible case on when other contributors are saying things? It, it's usually about technical things or sort of TV things, which I don't really know much about. But uh, you should do more radio, I think. Okay. Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> it's been a big fortnight in radio. Uh, and, Leon, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, I know you hate award ceremonies. Did you go to the NTAs this year? No, I didn't. It's the first time I haven't been for five years. And Something it- you have in common with deck. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I had a lovely evening. I didn't watch it. Uh, apparently, it was p- perfectly good. But it was nice. It was weird. I, weird not being there for the first time in five years. But what? actually, I had a lovely evening. We, Celebrity Juice was not nominated this year. We did not make the shortlist. Uh, ITV kindly moved Love Island and I'm a Celebrity into our category, which pushed us out of the, the, the top four, basically. What category is that? Entertainment? Uh, entertainment show, yeah. So, oh, you know, I'm sure there are very good reasons for these things. But um, we, it was just, we, uh, we turn up every year and lose to Ant and Deck, which we've done for the last four years. So, it was just nice to not have to bother turning up to lose to Deck again. Did you think they were going to win this year, bearing yes. in mind yes, the year they've absolutely, Yes, absolutely I did. Was it, it, right? it is ludicrous, isn't it, really? Well, should they? I, I just wonder from an ITV sort of management position, you know, whether this was carefully planned as Ant's comeback or whether they actually didn't really want this to happen. Because they, they wouldn't have wanted it to happen. I think they, obviously, Ant went back to work last Friday and they were... They didn't think they were going to win it, I don't think. Or, and I know they had to be ready to film all the links on Tuesday evening. Um, but I think they didn't. They don't know whether they win it. They don't get told. Um, and I think they thought they probably wouldn't win it this year. But obviously, they were delighted to win it. Well, let's start with some radio, Ian. Uh, because <laughs> it has been the biggest launch in UK classical music radio since Classic FM, according to 
the press release. Have there been any other launches since Classic FM? (laughs) I I can't think of one, but I'm sure someone must have done it. Uh, Fill in listeners who don't know what we're talking about, what we're talking about. Well, there's going to be a new classical music station. Although they say it's not just going to be classical music, it's going to be film scores and things like that and a bit of chat. And they've got Simon Mayo as the big name signing, um, which, I mean, he is a fantastic presenter and he can really turn his hand to anything and there's a lot of speculation that he might be going to smooth or even to lbc including on this very show yeah exactly. i said with great confidence I last episode and um i think frankly wherever simon mayo goes he will be a success because he's just so brilliant at, at what he does so um that they've announced quite a few other presenters um very few of whom i must admit i've ever heard of well there's mark forrest isn't there who did the, i had heard of him yeah so he, well, yeah. he used to do the show that's in the slot you do now on lbc except he did it on bbc yeah. local radio didn't he yeah which they've now canned which they've now canned uh mark commode of course is yep, going over as well him, yeah. angelica bell no nope. goldie william orbit you must be a huge william orbit fan surely who <laughs> he's, a, he's a producer, oh, a right. dance producer. <laughs> Do you think there's an audience for this, like a, a yeah. cool classical music station? Definitely. Well, this I'm saying there's only well, there's two stations. No one really listens to Radio Three, really. I think. I mean, I'm sure people do, but. I think there's definitely. I think it, I sort of couldn't believe couldn't believe there hadn't already been another classical station. It seems. I mean, maybe they've come and gone. I just I was like, oh yeah, that will work with more personality led. Because you sometimes you hear a bit of classic FM in you know if you're in the dentist or something, and I always think, oh, I'd, li- I'd listen <laughs> to a bit. Of, actually, I'd my, listen to my a bit dentist of classic FM. Have yeah, classic my dentist. Yeah. I keep trying to persuade my dentist and, to put LBC on, but he thinks like, people get too excited. And, and, I, I, listen, yeah. and I listen to that. My daughter actually listens to it to go to sleep. Classic FM, and the, the music's generally pretty good, obviously. And it is the, the hosts come on, you go, oh god, this person's boring as hell. So I think actually having people I on there that are pardon. better broadcasters or possibly sort of slightly more you know dynamic broadcasters will probably is a good idea. I. I think they're going to have a struggle to differentiate themselves from Radio 3, Classic FM. And Classic FM, I suppose, has done what they may be intending to do. Mm. And I think that's going to be a real problem for them. But I mean, 5.8 million people listen to Classic FM every week. That is a massive, massive audience. I don't know what the Radio 3 audience is. Um, so there is a, a huge demand for classical music. But is it going to be on a, a, net, a network where enough people can hear it. Because if it's on DAB2, and I don't know it's if It's replacing know, Heat Radio on, on DAB. Yeah, I think on it DAB is DAB2. I think it is DAB2. Well, if it's on DAB2, look at the problem that talk radio has had in, in attracting an audience. Because even in a car, you have to scroll down and scroll down to find it. And, it, and DAB2 doesn't cover a lot of the country. If you're in East Anglia you're not going to be able to listen to this new radio station. But I suppose because of that, almost any rating they get will be considered a success, won't it? Because they'll be able to say, well, Classic FM's on FM. It's been there for 20 years. Mm. You know, we're not trying to challenge directly Mm. with their ratings. It's almost like they don't have a competitor at that level on DAB. What is interesting to me is that Simon Mayo, I mean, is at the peak of his powers in, in a way, and he's going on to a station that he will know initially won't have much of an audience, just like Chris Evans has done with Virgin. And that... That is quite a brave thing to do in many ways for somebody who is a, a household name. Uh, speaking of which, Chris Evans has now started his show on Virgin. Have you had a listen, Leon? No, I couldn't stand Chris Evans on the radio when he did Radio 2. Really couldn't bear it. I find him just insufferably sort of, ugh, sort of smug and sort of... Well, it's ugh plus on. now if you don't like Chris Evans because I've listened to a bit and I'd say, I don't know if you've heard any of He's, he's clear, been quite indulgent, that's what he's clear, doing. To be clear, I'm not... I'm actually a bit of a fan of Chris Evans on telly. I uh-huh. just obviously loved him growing up. I'm not... It's weirdly the radio I find him particularly grating. It's all this sort of faux niceness. I just find it... Sort of, I can't bear it. So um, I, would, no, I haven't listened to his Wait, when, when you say indulgent, do you mean self-indulgent? Yeah, so uh, what I noticed, and I just dipped in for 20 minutes, but he was talking to Russell Howard and they were having a conversation... 
I mean, in fairness, it was about Russell Howard's good news, and the gimmick of that show is that they talk about good news stories from mm. obscure places. It's not called Russell Howard's Good News anymore. It's oh, Russell. Me. It's on. Well, but the only reason mentioned because it's a, it's a Sky show, and the show this is the podcast sponsor. where you're allowed to say this kind of thing. Yeah, well, it is. It's you know, it's Russell, it called? the Russell Howard Hour. I think right. which always sounded like a sentence rather than you know something to be enjoyed. Uh, it's an hour, um, and sorry, mate, I have nothing against Russell. Don't Howard, be but, sorry. But it was interesting that it was a Sky show, and this has been the big thing about I think the Chris is sponsored by Sky. The show mm. it's promoted endlessly in the sun, which is weird because. I guess the two are divorcing at some Wrap point. around cover. Yeah, uh, and what, it's kind of like, and, and there's a huge social media campaign that's gone into making everyone think that Chris Evans has had this amazing launch. We don't know yet. Well, how many people are listening? We won't know for what, three months, I guess. What I would but love to know. It's interesting how that much has gone into sort of telling everyone, oh, this has been a success already. What I'd love to know is what uh, Virgin Radio are paying the sun for the wraparound and all of these adverts. I mean, is it just a sort of um, the sun just gives them for free because they happen to be in the same group or are, is assume. there a financial transaction yes. because that if there isn't a financial transaction that is anti-competitive yeah. I, I believe and I think that's something that people ought to really look at um, because it, no other know. radio station could, could do that could they unless you're on the BBC where you can cross promote to your heart's content well not to put you in an awkward position but Global have just bought a load of billboards haven't they so I presume they're going to be giving themselves uh, real world marketing well, I would hope so I, I, I would hope they're it. just all LBC frankly but that, isn't so, that the same thing? They're going to be promoting their own station on their own. I, I guess thing. it is in, in some ways, but I do think some of these things need to be a little bit transparent. Anyway, Russell Howard was on the Chris Evans show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so the thing they were discussing was some factoid about genetics and evolution, because that's the show. But Chris Evans just ran with it a little bit longer than I think he would have been allowed to do on Radio 2. It was a good six-minute conversation about something he found interesting Ooh, about World of Science. Six minutes, wow. And it, no, but it was... It, <laughs> It felt podcasty. That's what it felt like to me. Isn't that a good thing? I think it is, but I'm not sure that his radio listeners want that. I mean, I, I agree with Leon. I, I don't listen to Chris Evans, never have. Um, I've never particularly liked him on television either, <laughs> I, I have to say. But we are not typical because I mean, yes. his no, figures no, speak for themselves. He, he, and you can say, well, popular. anybody presenting the Radio City Breakfast Show is going to get good figures. I'm not sure actually that's necessarily true, but I think that people have thought that way over the last de- few decades. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see how many listeners he brings with him because radio listeners, I think, are very conservative with the small C. They don't like change. And if they like a presenter and the presenter moves, um, they, they don't necessarily follow the presenter. They will stay there because they've always listened to the Radio mm. 1 breakfast show or the Radio 2 breakfast show. And Radio 2, let's face it, is becoming Radio 1 as was, which I think is really unimaginative on the part of the schedulers. Um, but you, you look at... Um, examples over the years where people just haven't followed. And, well, we'll see in the first Rachel's, won't we? And did you listen to any Zoe Ball? No. So uh, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind Zoe Ball. I used to listen to her on Radio 1. I thought she was fine. I mean, I'd, I, I tried and I, I just heard morning. songs. She just played three back-to-back tracks. Okay, Good. they're going that route. Which, Good. Yeah. yeah, which I guess was a refreshing change from Chris Evans doing yes. the complete opposite thing. But I didn't. I literally didn't hear her at all. I mean, what do people want from Breakfast Radio? They they want they Tell want. Us, Ian. Well, I, having never done Breakfast well, Radio, you've covered Breakfast Radio. Well, I've Radio. covered Nick Ferrari quite a few times. Yeah. Um, and you're always told you have to be pacey. People want pace, um, and I think that is sort of true in the mornings but I think sometimes breakfast presenters and I think you get this a lot on local radio they overdo it they are so enthusiastic mm. and you think just calm down a little bit do I want all of this enthusiasm while I'm eating my beans on toast I'm not sure I do and I think you look at the two Radio 2 appointments or three where you've got um, Zoe Ball Sarah Cox and then Joe Wiley 
they they are a little bit similar, I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, a bit are. too similar in some ways. Yeah. Um, and um, I wonder whether a Radio Two audience is really going to take to that sort of level of bouncy enthusiasm. Well, I, don't know. I, I mean, clearly, Radio Two didn't want to rearrange its furniture in this way, did it? It was pushed into this position because Mayo first. Uh, left and then Evans left. Yeah. Um, well, but, but it, it must be slightly by design as well. Like you know, obviously they put Mayo with Joe Wiley, and obviously they, I'm sure they hoped that worked. But it was kind of like it's, it's almost led to what they needed to do. And I think I was on this podcast probably two years ago, and we were talking about Radio Two. I remember saying they've got to get some women in the schedule because it was embarrassing, and everyone was painfully aware of it. So they've got what they wanted. It's just obviously probably not in the way they would have liked. But well, they, that's the curious thing. The Did they think possibly this might be what? happens because it was a huge public debacle the whole joe and simon thing it didn't work but it did get them to this goal which isn't just something that the public was saying was embarrassing and the media uh you know commentators were saying was embarrassing it's actually now ofcom regulation that runs the bbc that says they need a more diverse schedule so they were looking at that they needed to evidentially prove that they'd got more diverse and they have well they they have and i mean that's a good thing nobody's going to say that's a bad thing um, well, they've got more sexually diverse. I don't know whether Zoe Ball, Joe Wiley, and Sarah Cox are the voices of that diverse. Not like, do you know what I mean? They, they're quite. They are similar yeah. in tone. Um, you know, but then you could argue Terry Wogan was very similar to Ken Bruce, and no one, you know, that was going on for twenty odd years, and they're very similar voices, very similar sort of I mean, personalities. In the end, the audience is going to pass its judgment, and there is this. There's always been this theory, and I think Radio Schedule has been guilty of this over the years, where they think that audiences do not like female voices as much as they like male voices. The, 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 there is research apparently that says that particularly female listeners don't like female. Have voices. Have you seen that research? I've, I've read it somewhere. I can't give you the source, but I've, I. Have have read it if you ever I, find that research, I, I don't see it because I, people always claim it exists, but I've never seen well, it. I'm, well, okay, well, I've never seen it, but I've, re- I've read, read about it. Now, I don't think I buy that because I, I, I think of the people that I like to listen to, and it's a mixture of male and female voices. And there are, look, there are male voices that people don't like, just as there are female voices that people don't like. But I think somehow schedulers got it into their minds that it, it, it's still going to be a male-dominated world. Do you think, looking back on it now, that Lord Hall was right that publishing the salaries of everyone at the BBC earning over a certain amount would be a poacher's charter? Because it does rather appear like Bauer have swooped in and got Mayo for Scala and uh, Virgin swooped in and got Evans for breakfast, n- knowing what to pay them, knowing yeah. what to offer. Well, also, not only that, it's quite exposing for those people at the BBC. So, yeah, it gives the, it puts the figure out there, but it means the people there suddenly feel quite under attack, you know, and I think that was part of the reason Chris Evans left, I th- as far as I could tell, is he just felt the lack of love from the BBC, you know, he got canned off, no love on Top Gear. Suddenly his, his, his figures all, you know, what he's earning is all in the press. And I think he just thought, I'll sod this, I'll go back to oh, do, I, being I, a private I, company. I love these prima donnas who think that they're not, they're not getting enough love despite being paid millions of pounds. I mean, come, <laughs> come on. One day that'll be you. Well, <laughs> I doubt it somehow. I doubt it. All right, let's move on and talk about influencers online uh, because 16 of them, including Alexa Chung and Mario from The Only Way is Essex, me neither, uh, have agreed to declare sponsored posts after the Competition and Markets Authority warned them they could be breaking the law by not so doing. Uh, Leon, what is the background to this? This is really good news. I mean, anything we can do to regulate online social media, I think is good news. British television is one of the most regulated uh, sort of television cultures in the world and we produce some of the best television as a result because we're forced to sort of you know work do it properly as it were and i think this is this is essentially sort of telling stars they can't sort of take prom- uh, money to promote products 
and not declare it to the audience in the same way we couldn't put adverts in TV shows and not declare it by having a product placement sticker or having a clear delineation between the end of a programme and the advert so the audience know exactly wh where they stand. And obviously there's a, bl there's a blurring of lines in some parts of television, especially in America if you go there, but generally the audience do still understand that difference and obviously online it's far harder for them to do that. And so I think it's I think it's really good that the CMA have come in, who seem to be obviously have more power than the ASA. That's my reading of it, and they can act, they can actually impose jail time on Supposedly. people, which I which I'd love to see. I'd love to see Mario from Mario from the Anyway is Essex doing a sick stretch for um you know for advertising some new sort of trainers or something. But I think it's really important that this is taken seriously. You know, I think there's there's so but much. Why why is it important? Because don't you have to be a bit <clears throat> dim to not realise that they're being paid to promote these I think products? That's I don't know. I just think I've seen because one of these one of these Instagram posts that was flagged up by the CMA. Obviously, some of them are very blatant, but right, some right. of them so aren't. It was, it was a reality star. I didn't know who she was, so to me, it just looked like an ad. But if you followed her, obviously, you would know who she was. And she was standing in a hotel in Costa Rica, sipping rum from a pineapple kind of shot in her bikini, yes. and she was that wearing one, that one caught your eye, did it? <laughs> <laughs> and she was wearing a prominent form of technology. I can't remember what because I wasn't looking at that. I think it was a smartwatch. And it's actually had a discount code in it. It says, if you want my watch, it's from here. Use the discount code. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot not to realise that's paid for, wouldn't you? I don't think it's necessarily the fact that it's, it, you'd have to be an idiot not to know. I just think it's sloppy and lazy and creates bad content. Like that's, you know, ultimately I think every it, it just makes everything is shit basically because everyone, so but at least having, forcing people to say when it's an ad makes them think, oh, I've got to do this in an entertaining way. In the same way adverts have to try and be entertaining if they're going to be effective. So I think it just, it, if anything, it just raises the bar of what but people are willing to post. Isn't it similar to product placement in TV programmes? Like in Coronation Street, there's now a Costa Coffee Cafe. Does every viewer in Coronation Street uh, necessarily need to know that, that that's only there because Costa Coffee are paying for it to be there? I think it's important. Yeah, I do think it's. I just think because I, mean, I know it's there, but I bet ninety percent of Coronation Street viewers don't. They won't. You, well, um, they won't notice it's well, they, there. Sorry, they won't. They won't know no, that Costa Coffee have paid, paid for it to be there. Um, yeah, so, the, the, there, so therefore, you look at every drink in the Rovers' return. You think, well, sort of have Smirnoff paid for that vodka to be shown? I mean, I don't see any great harm in it. And it, if you get the more money that a program gets, and I guess you would agree with this, that the better that it may, may well be in terms of production terms. I've got no issue with it. Um, and I've got no issue with stars having to be having to declare that they're getting money for something. But I mean, you've got to treat it. All I mean, in I'm the same personally way. not a fan of product placement in shows. I know, you know, obviously, I work but, for but, but they're that two different things, aren't they? Because I'd rather not. Do your it. shows are funded anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Apart, you know, occasionally you get a show that's funded through advertising directly. You know, a sponsor, mm. title sponsor. But generally, your shows are funded by the channel. They yeah. recoup the money through advertising. So you have the luxury of not caring about it in a way. But if you're an influencer, if your job is to go to hotels and wear smartwatches. That's how you pay for your lifestyle. But the thing isn't it? is, yeah, it's otherwise is. you can't make that content. It is, but the problem is that it then has a, an, an insidious effect on other people. Let me give you an example. Um, I tweet a lot. I have 125,000 Twitter followers, which is nothing compared to all of these celebrities. But um, if I have a bad customer service experience, I will then tell people about it on Twitter, and then often the company will then come to me and say, oh, "Sorry about that. Can we put it right?" But on the other hand, if I say, as I did the other day, bought this really nice pair of shoes from Coogan London, um, very good quality, never thought I'd I'm now thinking of Alan Partridge during Sprint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> never, never thought I would ever buy shoes on the internet, but now I'm the Imelda Marcos of internet <laughs> shoe buying. 
Um, of course, people then say, oh, I suppose they've given you free pairs or paid you to say that. No, it's because I've honestly had a good experience. So I will then tell people about it. And what about the middle ground? Actually, where... they have offered me free pairs. <laughs> well, <there we> go. <laughs> but, but I've turned them because I just won't accept freebies. Well, yeah, so it, what about the middle ground where you do accept a freebie and you genuinely... So let's say that you're photographed at an award ceremony. I mean, even at you know, your kind of level, not Rihanna, but well-known enough As that people says, will... contemptuously. <laughs> people... Well, even at my kind of level. So I've had the thing where I've been on telly and someone's tweeted me saying, where did you get your tie, yeah. right? Now, if I was given that tie You've as a... have never worn a tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they were asking. <laughs> they assumed it was a noose. Um, they're asking genuinely, and I can reply genuinely, but if it was a freebie, which I might be wearing genuinely, but I haven't received any money for that, do I need to declare that as an ad? I mean, I'm wearing a thing someone gave me. Well, it's just simpler not to accept freebies, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, Ollie. <laughs> it's the only thing that makes writing a gadget column worthwhile. <laughs> true, ah, true, see, yes. you, yeah, you see, if you're in your area, I suppose you would. But um, I suppose in politics, which is what I do, you don't really get many freebies. My favourite thing about this is that some influencers apparently are posting fake sponsored content so that they look like they're getting freebies. No, really. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's I didn't, even didn't see that. I that's love that. That's properly partridge. That that is, well, it's how it used to work on the student newspaper. I used to put at my school, I used to put in an advert for the local cinema because it looked like they were giving us money to advertise. <laughs> Should I tell you a funny story on that? Totally away from it. But um, I've spent a lot of my time on College Green, opposite Parliament, for obvious reasons over the last few weeks, covering all the Brexit stuff. And MPs are milling around waiting to be interviewed. One of my colleagues saw a Tory MP the other day, sort of trying to, just wandering around ostensibly looking as if he was on the phone but quite clearly she could see all of the apps on his phone <laughs> showing that he wasn't on the phone and he was obviously just hanging around waiting so, to, be to be interviewed yeah. that's, that's interesting because that's the technique they use walking down Downing Street where they don't want exactly. to be heckled as well yeah. isn't it yeah, but in this case they want to be heckled yeah so they but they can look important yeah that's that's what it's all about are we going to put fake ads into this show now Ollie? Let's we're going to cut to an ad from Coca-Cola <laughs> or Nike or something like that. They, well, they've gone big on the media podcast. We'll be back with some more media news in brief after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, 
Time for some more media news in brief now. Leon and Ian are still with me. And a film made for The Guardian by the team behind the Whitney Houston movie has been nominated for Best Feature Documentary at this year's Oscars. This is Black Sheep. Have you seen it, Leon? I haven't, no. I only found out about this when... Rebecca Buescher sent over the link this morning and I read the article and I, I, I do really want to see it and actually my first question is where can I see it? Is it on the Guardian website? I, I, I read the whole article about it but the nomination and I know it won some awards at some short film festivals and then it was one of those articles tell me where I can see it because like, I was like oh, I was interested to watch this mm. so does anyone know where you can see it? Is it, is it in theatres? Is it online? I'm going to say yes you can see it on the Guardian website yeah, I would hope and if that's still so. in the podcast then it's true. Okay fine <laughs> fine. Yeah it's about uh, it's connected to Damiola Taylor uh, murder, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's Cornelius Walker who was an 11-year-old black kid from London who moved to Essex and confronted racists and it's been made by The Guardian, exec produced by The Guardian but with kind of not to uh, patronise people who work in documentaries at The Guardian, but with professional documentary makers yes, as well. Yes, the people that did Man on Wire and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so proper film. Yes. But still, I mean, this is interesting, isn't it, for news organisations, Ian? You've already seen the moving resources from kind of what used to be called print but then would be called online news that you read into online video, podcasts, diversifying in this way. If they're going to get an Oscar nomination for it, that is going to put a lot more attention on that sort of diversification. Well, it is. And it's interesting how all national newspapers are trying to generate audiences from their people who aren't necessarily print readers for them. And that's where they're going to get revenue from. But, um, I mean, I don't know what this sort of thing costs, but, I, um, Leon, you're probably know better than me, but it's, it's not cheap to do, is it? No, not with, this, with proper producers behind it as well. You know, it's not like, it's clear, it's not just one person making a dot. There's, there's recreations in it. There's kind of, mm. there's not, it's not a cheap, you know, it will cost hundreds of thousands of pounds to make something like that. And well, it, if it's a short, maybe not that much, but, you know, it, will, it won't be... But it must be part of a, of a longer term strategy, I guess. They're going to have to do much more of this to make it work and to really generate revenue for themselves, I would have thought. I mean, it appears to be, uh, Jake Cantor was on our last edition and he was saying that a Business Insider, they're now focusing on making high quality films to bring people in, in the same way people used to do long reads. And talking of digital journalism, let's talk about BuzzFeed. More than 200 staff there have learnt they will lose their jobs. A few days after Janine Gibson, the editor in the UK, uh, quit BuzzFeed UK. Um, why is that happening? Why they? Why she quit? Presumably she quit. I think the feeling is she quit because she knew they were going to have to do a big. Well, did she quit or was she quitted? She could have been quitted, <laughs> but she, essentially it happened before a big round of redundancies, and she, they already did laid off a third of the staff last mm. year. And I think possibly the feeling is she didn't want to go through that process again, or maybe she was pushed out. I don't know. And um, why are they? Why are they laying people off? Is because they're not making any money. They've spent five hundred million pounds, and they, they always knew money. they weren't going to make any money. I mean, at the beginning, they were quite proud of the fact they were spending loads of money. I and completely not making any money. agree because it's how Silicon think, Valley works. They'll get an investment. The, the last time, it, last time I was on this show, there was a similar story about something that became. It was clear that there was never going to work. And I remember saying, <laughs> "I like it when the world things happen. You go, oh, good. I thought that was not going to work. <laughs> you know, obviously not. I'm not right about everything, but you know, I remember reading stuff like BuzzFeed two years ago and that money they're spending and the, the business plan and he kept thinking that's this is gonna work and, and obviously they all believe in it and i'm not saying they don't have a business future clearly they they're not going to disappear but their rapid expansion is just obviously been far too well, if you look at the uk results i think they had a turnover of 33 million last year and they lost 1.9 vast improvement on the previous year so you think well that doesn't sound too disastrous but clearly maybe the but they've already burnt 500 million. So well, they, you, well, they, so even if you think in two years' no, time they might be you're, making you're 2 You're absolutely million, right. But how long do they have to keep doing that to pay back anything close to what they've invested? I think their basic problem is that they don't quite know what they are. 
and that there's no I don't think to myself every morning I must see what's on BuzzFeed today now okay I'm not probably the target audience no you are well I, am I, I? Say, yeah because you're you're looking for stories I to do love lists on your so own. therefore I probably am a target audience <laughs> and you do audience. know what to know which friends character you're most like don't you, you are looking it? for not really, stories to discuss it. on your <laughs> radio show and they do original journalism into areas that other people don't. Well, they do, but I... And that's pr- totally if, how they wanted to rebrand if, themselves. If I'm interested in it... absolutely aiming for you to notice. If I'm interested in it, I will find it on Twitter. I mean, Alex Wickham, their political correspondent, came from Guido Fawkes, absolutely first-class journalist. And I hope he's not one of the ones that are going to lose... Well, if he is, he'll easily find another job somewhere in the political sphere. Um, but generally, I can't remember the last time I went on the BuzzFeed homepage and thought, let's scroll down and see what's there. And that's what, in, in a sense, you've got, it's got to be one of your must-see sites if it's going to really succeed. And I don't think it is for enough people. I don't know anybody, frankly, in my world, that sees BuzzFeed as something that they need to really take much notice of. And yet, uh, socially, it did used to have a big audience, yeah. didn't it, that would come in, so it didn't matter about the homepage. But then this is about Facebook no longer making it possible for their yeah, stories the to Yeah, the change of the algorithm. It's amazing how many companies sort of basically end up suffering when Facebook decide they want to change their algorithm and make money off someone else. Yeah. And so uh, one possible solution of this, Jonah Peretti, BuzzFeed's founder and chief executive, was talking about this in the New York Times, is all of the companies with some heft in this area all link up together. So you get BuzzFeed and HuffPo and Vice all become one company, and then they can compete against the BBC and CNN. What do you think of that? It sounds a ridiculous idea. You can't you can't just plonk three massive companies together <laughs> yeah, yeah. and expect it you to work smoothly. Just create smoothly. A, re- a company with even more debt. Well, exactly. And I mean, who are they competing with? Are they really competing with the BBC or CNN? I, I I've struggled to. Well, they are think for that. They need to create their own they? audience, not not try and just filch other people's. Let's talk about Fiona Bruce. Let's. That's always a. a I, I'm in my comfort. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in my comfort zone now. No, here we go. Uh, <laughs> How did you rate her on Question Time, Ian? The first one, I thought she took a bit of time to um, get going. I thought she was very nervous. For, for an experienced broadcaster, I thought she was quite nervous at the beginning. But frankly, I mean, who wouldn't be? You're stepping into David Dunbarby's shoes. It's a sort of iconic programme. Um, I thought that the guest lineups on both of the first two shows could have been slightly more imaginative. Um, I thought in the second show, and this is the one where she's copped quite a bit of criticism, I thought she was on fire. I, I really enjoyed it in a way that I hadn't enjoyed Question Time for some time. Uh, she's she's actually got quite a good sense of humour, which she can come back on the politicians with. And she interacted with the audience much better than, again, mate. I mean, she's obviously experienced with Antiques Roadshow, dealing with, with members of the public and all the rest of it. But that is quite... Given that Question Time has become essentially a bear pit in the audience... Mm. Most weeks, not always. I did it for the first time in April, and I was slightly nervous about doing it. Um, but the audience were fantastic, and it, they they kind of made the show better because they they weren't shouting. It mm. wasn't that horrible atmosphere that that program often generates. And well, that's uh, the bit I like. So. Well, you see, I'm joking. See, I'm joking. I, well, no, I think you're right because people often the speaker. Of the I House, don't like the, the audience Commons, shouting. Uh, that's not my issue. I'll come on. To so the, the speaker of the House of Commons always says that the, the Prime Minister's question time. The people at home watching this don't like it the way it's so boisterous. Of course they do. That's why they're watching. Mm. So let, let's not get too prissy about it. But I think it's gone over the top um, in the last few years. Maybe it's just a reflection of the times that we live in, where the country is divided, so the audiences in question time are divided. But so far, I mean, I. I I think she's actually done really well. I saw some commentators, Leon, writing in newspaper columns and stuff that the reaction to Fiona Bruce, i.e. people saying, oh, she was actually really good, yeah, had, had a latent sexism to it. Yeah, I think like, that's probably... How could a woman do that job? 
I, I genuinely think it's because she's never been allowed to show any personality before. And suddenly you're like, oh, she's a real person who can do lots of things. It's nothing to do with the fact she's a woman. It's the fact she's on the BBC. Yeah, and then she's not been allowed to do something like this before. I, I personally, I haven't seen Question, uh, Question Time. I stopped watching Question Time in the last few years because I, I can't bear watching a show where there's never any senior politicians on it. I find that, I think the, it should be incumbent on the production company. It's mentor and make it, isn't it? That on the renewal that they have, they have to guarantee a certain number of like senior cabinet members. How? I can't I mean, remember. They can only invite them on. Well, but I just no. I then don't have the show. Like I just find it a pointless exercise when there's five people sitting there that are basically nothing, to, not connected to what the decision making is actually happening in the country. I wouldn't have a radio show if I. Took and that I just can't choose. bear it. I remember, you know, the golden age. I mean, you know, one of my favourite moments on Question Time was Prescott taking on Michael Heseltine in the nineties. I remember it was just, a, and you used to have people. Like, Heseltine was a big hitter in the Conservative government at that point. Prescott was obviously dep- well, he was you know part. With Labour in opposition, and it felt like I can remember a period when there were genuinely the the, mm. pe- the politicians when you would get Home Office ministers and Foreign Secretaries and people like going on the show regularly, and you felt like you were getting an insight into what was really going on. Whereas now it feels like there's five people sitting there, and maybe one of them's like a junior cabinet I think, member. And you're I like, think that's, well, you guys, you don't, you people don't know what's going on. I think that's actually quite unfair. I think generally they do have one or two relatively top-level people, but it depends what you mean by top-level. You're not going to get the Home Secretary, Foreign Secretary, Chancellor of the Exchequer on every single week. It's no, not. I just think there should be a minimum requirement normally for all of the parties to put a certain number of people on every year. They all do year. Andrew Marr, don't they? That's the yeah, thing. and they won't do question time. Well, you see, Andrew Marr, Andrew Marr is a, a slightly different kettle of fish because Andrew Marr is watched by everyone in the political media. All politicians watch it, all the political journalists watch it. Very few politicians and journalists watch Question Time for some of the reasons that that Leon's just articulated. Um, I mean, I just, before you came into the studio, I just had a text from Andrew Marr saying, can you come on to do the papers this Sunday? And it's the third time in a row where ostensibly I can't. I thought, well, I can't turn that down three times because I'll never be invited back. You can't. It's the one program that anyone will always say yes to and, and sort of drop anything else that they're doing. So I'm now sort of thinking, do I drive back from Norfolk? I was going to say. (laughs) And I think I probably will. Um, But I I think Question Time does have a role. There there is no other similar programme on television. I think it does. I just would like to see there to be more people on there that I felt like were really making decisions about the future of the country. You don't want people like me on. No, no. Do you know what? I think there should always be someone on that's not a politician. Well, okay. We don't want Timmy Mallet. No, I'm not saying that. Are there too many people who aren't politicians? Because that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because it it got to the point where there was some stunt casting, wasn't there, 10 years ago. Let's get Russell Brand. Let's get Jarvis Cocker. It's now got to the stage of, let's get a columnist from the Daily Mail and a comedian. Yeah, I think I agree. I think it should be... as a rule, one non-politician, I'd say, because it, it, otherwise you're giving too much screen airtime over to people that aren't necessarily all that informed often or anywhere close to power. Sometimes you think, and it's not just on Question Time, you look at some of the guests that are on uh, this week and one or two other programmes, and you think, you just imagine the production meeting taking place and someone says, well, um, let, let's get Timmy Mallet next week. And then someone wants to sort of trump it and say, no, let's get, well, Jarvis Cocker. Was it? I mean, I was actually on the Politics Live with Jarvis Cocker the other day. And I thought afterwards, what was the point of that? He had absolutely nothing to contribute to the programme. He was terrible on Question Time, I remember that. And I'm, I'm the but one time, fan. oh, but the, but the then, one time I've been in a room with Joe, so the only famous people I've ever been in a room with where I just couldn't cope with it, 
are Jarvis Cocker and bizarrely Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> Both times that like, Jarvis. How are you straight? I just <laughs> I just couldn't cope with Jarvis being in my eyeline. He was at the back of the same party I was at, and just the fact he was in the same room. Do as you know the only person that's ever had that effect on me was Cliff Richard. <laughs> I'm a massive Cliff Richard fan. Again, I can ask the same question. Yeah. And, and How are you I, gay? Could, I could I could not think of a single thing to say to him. <laughs> only time I've ever been tongue-tied in my it's, life. I think it's just the level of so with Jarvis it was idolatry, and with Dolly it's just. She's Dolly, like she's a proper star. No one else looks like Dolly Parton. When Dolly yes. Parton walks yeah. in the room, you're like, oh, it's a proper old time big star. Yeah. You know, it would be like Michael Jackson walking in. I just couldn't cope with it. That would be something nowadays. Yeah. Yes, yes, it would. Uh, right, there is just time for our media <laughs> quiz. Oh, good. This week, we've chosen three smaller stories from Media Land. All you have to do is identify them. I'll give you the basic information. You fill in the rest. You buzz in with your name when you know the answer. Now, Leon's a grizzled veteran at this. So I'll let him practice first. Leon, you will say. Leon. And Ian, you will say. Cliff. Let's go. Story number one. Which newspaper announced a big new podcast from David Tennant this week? Cliff. The Economist. It was The Economist, yes. Which is weird. I mean, who thinks of The Economist and then thinks in the same sentence of David Tennant? I mean, I don't really get that. And when I look at the write-up of what's going to be on this podcast, it's basically people who I know. David well, not Tennant me, David Tennant. Those. I mean, David Tennant chatting to his mates. Now, some of them may well be quite interesting. Am I going to immediately think I need to download this podcast? Probably not, because I, I don't well, particularly like David Tennant. Well, it's part of a raft of new shows. So there's a new one also called The Intelligence, which is going to be on Economist Radio, which is a daily current affairs podcast. It's basically just them investing and saying, come and listen to our range of stuff. Isn't it just an eye-catching... Yeah, big do, name signing. Yeah. Do you not think, though, that in the podcast world, and um, I do three podcasts, so I'm probably the worst person to say this, but there are rather too many samey podcasts around at the moment, and not all of them are going to survive, because I don't know how many podcasts you listen to every week, Ollie, but I don't think most people can cope with more than, say, 10. Yeah. And um, obviously, when you're listening to a podcast, you're not listening to live radio. So that might impact on radio audiences uh, from time to time. But I, I just look at this and I think how, unless you're an avid David Tennant fan, why would you listen to it? Are you tempted, Leon? Not really. I just thought, I mean, um, if you were a David Tennant fan, yeah, you'd watch it, listen to it, sorry. Um, but I did read the, the press release and just thought that it, it's felt even even in his own little bit, he's like, oh, it's quite a low concept show. It's just me chatting to my friends. He's sort of underselling it because he's a, there's no format point to it. So even even the person who's at the heart of it is sort of going, oh, it's just me hanging up with about my mates. And and I know that there is probably a place for that in, on podcasting, but there's an awful lot of ones like that, isn't there? But just... as a producer, do you see them as a way podcast as a way of developing talent, developing ideas before they get to yeah, the stage? Yeah, I do. That's why I think else. you know there's a number of shows that talk back. We've sort of optioned and we've tried to pitch TV shows. We've not managed to get any of them away, but we've really tr- we've got more we're working on now because I do think that's where it's interesting, uh, where you take you know new, try out new ideas and new talent. And, and then see whether you can do other things. And, and sometimes, not always, you know, they, their podcast is the perfect form. The idea of just big celebrities coming in to chat to their mates, I just think is, I mean, it's fine, people can do what they want, but I just don't feel like what podcasting, what I think of it is. I'm just thinking if my For the Many podcast, which I do every week with uh, Jackie Smith, former Labour Home Secretary, I'm thinking of a TV format for that, Leon. Okay, fine, come, come, come in. Or? I don't know if the producer of Celebrity <laughs> Juice is necessarily <laughs> the person to do that, but yeah. I, I mean, Keith Lemon and Jackie Smith, <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, cut me out of it. I'm used to it. Change. Yeah, yeah. Cutting you out, Ian. I'm making you executive <laughs> producer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, here's question number two. Fans of which podcast are angry because they can only listen through the BBC Sounds Leon. app? Leon. 
Uh, do you know what? I, I I think I think actually Ian's better taken beforehand. <laughs> he was telling me he's actually was on, been on this podcast. The I was podcast on it this is week. Unfo- it's unfortunately is that the name? Fortunately, fortunately, it's called fortunately. See, now I really exposed myself. I don't know why. It's, have um, you never listened to it? No, I haven't listened Seriously, to it. Seriously, is it really it, good? It, it is my favourite podcast. Okay, sorry. Okay, well, to, I mean, I, I think I'm get. I was on this week, which is like episode seventy-eight. So they're obviously sort of oh God, dragging I mean, really through really the dregs party. now. Um, but it is going to be only available on BBC Sounds. So it's not on iTunes anymore, not on any of the others, only on BBC Sounds. Now, they say this is a bit of an experiment. And they had the woman who made the decision on the podcast this week before me. And I have to say, she didn't do a very good job of explaining it. It was typical BBC management speak, which nobody really understood what she was on but about. But it meant we need to get more people onto BBC Sounds, Well, it? in essence, yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's that, what a commercial That does not do. mean to say that you ruin it for all your foreign audience because you can't get BBC Sounds if you're abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and there's been a real rebellion against it. Now, they say, well, we're just doing it for a, for a bit and we'll see how it works out. So I suspect in the end it will go back on all the other platforms. I mean, the nuts thing, Lee, on is they've got loads of original commissions that are only on BBC Sounds. Yeah. What's the point of taking one they've already put elsewhere and then withdrawing it? You're just going to make people angry. Yeah, it feels like something... And I know the plan is for everything to migrate onto BBC Sounds. And at some point, everything they'll stop the iPlayer app, the radio the radio app. And, and But just do it all at the same time. It's just like doing it all at the same time. Everyone will get pissed off and it'll, everyone will <laughs> just get download. I haven't downloaded BBC Sounds yet. I just use the old iTunes and uh, BBC Radio Player app. And I just think the time will come where it will stop working and I'll download the other one and I'll just move on, on with my life. It's an odd thing to just try it in this way of like, let's te- it just seems unnecessary, testing that, 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 it out, pushing what, people. What they've done is they've launched BBC Sounds too early before they've yeah, really tested it. Yeah, I'll wait till it's it. finished. And, I mean, it's not a bad... It's not, I've, I have downloaded it mainly because I want to listen to Fortunately but, and I listen to a few other things. Um, but Global Radio, who I work for, they've launched their own app now for podcasts and it's not just for global podcasts they, they're promoting other people's as well well so, so are BBC Sounds but only a select list yeah only a very few so okay so because when people ask me as a podcaster you know what do I think of the BBC investing in podcasts I usually have said well actually I think it's a good thing because it brings more ears to the platform and what I meant by that was iTunes and Pocket Cast and stuff fine for the BBC to have their own app too but if their intention is to get a big name in it's podcasting and then bring everyone into their own yeah, environment, and that's exa- but they've got that's a track record cool, in doing it? this. I used to do um, a program on a radio station called One Word, a digital station. This was like 2002-3. Then, of course, BBC Seven came along and completely pulled the rug from under One Word, so it went out of business. And that is what the BBC do time and time again. They go into a market, dominate. They did it in magazines as well. Dominate the market, and then everybody else goes out of business. And the tie-break, question number three. Which newspaper mistook their regular radio reviewer for Clef. Jemima Khan this week? Yes, Ian. Uh, the Telegraph. It Quite was. astonishing, wasn't <laughs> it? Um, they, they were advertising a radio review by Jemima Lewis. Correct. And they headlined it with Jemima Khan and her picture. So this wasn't a, a, an error. It was a deliberate error, if you see what well, I mean. Well, they made it two errors. Well, they made, typo, they made two yeah, errors. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't, the, it wasn't just somebody being slightly incompetent. It was complete incompetence. It was really funny. It was I mean, really I funny. feel, I feel, you know, I hope she, I think she took it in good humour. Yeah, she, well, she, she tweeted, tweeted, tweeted That's how we all but noticed. But I, I, if she was upset, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to be upset by it. But it was funny. <laughs> well, what she said in her tweet was, God, I miss subs. Yes. That's the serious point, isn't yeah. it? We've talked yes. about that a lot on this show. I mean, you do, it's almost impossible to read an article online in one of those big newspapers and not spot yeah. Mistakes. No, it really yeah. is. But in the end, um, they've only got so much money. So what, what goes? The checking. Well, on that, Ian, you are the winner. 
Uh, congratulations, Ian. I, I'm very pleased and excited. A very sterling what surprise. Debut. Thank you to Ian and to <laughs> Leon Wilson. If you enjoy what we do on the Media Podcast and you want to help keeping us make it, then why not take out a voluntary subscription? We promise to dedicate an episode to you if you do. Imagine me reading your name now. It would be so thrilling. Visit themediapodcast.com slash donate and select an amount of your choice to keep us going all year round. You can catch up with our previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free on our website, themediapodcast.com. I'm Ollie Mann. Ian Dale's off to say yes to Andrew Marr. The producer is Rebecca Grisdale-Sherry. The Media Podcast is a PPM production. Until next time, bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.